The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, choir. Uh, it's good to see you and to hear you. Choirs, I pray, are coming back. And, uh, we, we've been without them for a while. And... Uh, there's a place for the united voices and hearts of God's people in worship. So, good, good to hear you. And good to be home with you. Um, I'm always nervous <laughs> when I get up here because some of you know me too well, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, this morning is a privilege, and I am gracious to uh, Ellis for inviting me to, to come and, and uh, share the word of the Lord with you. Uh, Kim is serving at our church uh, in Plano, so she's not here today, but uh, she sends her greetings and love, and again, just so many wonderful memories that we share. And Kim and I got married in 75 and moved up here from Waco, and this has been our home church as a married couple our whole lives, so it's very, very special, and I'm trying not to get emotional. So let's uh, move on to what we're going to do here, uh, it's good to be home uh, with you. About three weeks ago, I was at a seminar at the Celebration Restaurant on Lover's Lane. Anybody know that? It's been there 51 years. If you've not been, quick, go. Uh, It's a wonderful place. And at the end of the seminar, we got to eat some of their uh, food. And so I was sitting at the table with one of the managers, and he pretty quickly moved to, well, yeah, I know this priest who, after he studied world religions and... uh, encountered all the suffering in the world, uh, just gave up on his faith. And he's, he's not a believer anymore, and he's not a, uh, a priest anymore. And I, I tried my best to kind of talk about the problem of pain and suffering and why that is such a struggle for so many people to, to trust the Lord. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you, you know, his heart changed in any way. Uh, it really wasn't about him. It was about why do people give up like that? And then later that afternoon at the chapel at Park City's Baptist Church, I was at a funeral for a 95-year-old saint uh, who uh, just loved the Lord and, and, uh, and he had 10 great-grandkids who all loved the Lord and, and left a legacy of, of benevolence as well as faith. And I, I thought, you know, that, how, how do you, how does one who had given their life to a ministry, you know, drop off, and then how does one finish to the end? And the older I get, longevity is an issue uh, for me. And so I began to ask myself again, how do you finish well? How do we, wherever you are in the race of faith, where are, wherever you are in stage of life, whatever you're facing today, uh, whether suffering or the best times and best years you've ever had, best Thanksgiving ever uh, this time around. How do we finish well? How, how do we experience longevity in faith? And one of my favorite verses just rang in my heart, and I thought I would share that uh, with you today. And that is uh, the uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. So if you have your Bible, uh, go there, and I want to read uh, from the English Standard uh, version of this this morning. And then that's, we're just going to spend the rest of the time with you in those three verses, all right? So here's, here's what the writer to the, uh, the Hebrews uh, wrote. 
He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted and so that you can finish the race that God has laid before you. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word and I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be the true interpreter of Scripture today. Father, you know every story in this room. You're helping write it. And I just pray that rather than leaving all that out, that they'll bring that in to where they're sitting and that they'll sit before you in your word and you will speak clearly to them and that they will be encouraged today and that their faith will be strengthened, not weakened, and that as they leave, they'll know that you are beside them and with them and that you have paid the ultimate price that they may be called your child. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to talk about today is that longevity is built on a lifestyle. And of these five things, but I'm going to move pretty fast through those, so don't worry about it. Uh, Community, discipline, endurance, following, and faithfulness. And all of these are found in these three verses. So let's just walk through each part of this verse. Uh, now, when we walk to this verse, you always want to know what's going on in the story. You just Too many times we pick a piece here and a piece there, and that becomes kind of our motto for the day or even our life, and we've missed what all is going on. Well, you know what's going on, some of you, in this letter. Paul, uh, Paul so, I'm sorry, that, that was kind of a, a, a Reformation idea. Actually, it's real interesting who may have written this book. Uh, my... My educated guess is Apollos, uh, but that's a whole other seminar issue that uh, we'll talk about later. But anyway, the writer is trying to help those who are Jews who have accepted Jesus to be the Messiah not to give up on that and fall back into their religion of their lifestyle. Because in the ancient world, in Rome in particular, Judaism was a a, a legal religion. And this little offshoot of Christianity was not. And so they had began to experience some pushback and some uh, uh, discomfort and some rejection. And so the writer even acknowledges some of them had had kind of walked up to the edge and, and stepped back from it and not been a believer, uh, chapter 6 and other places. And he is, he's trying to explain to them how Jesus fulfilled everything that they knew as followers of the old covenant and that they're to stick with it. And in chapter 11, right before here, he's just listed over and over again all of those who, who finished well, those who, although did not receive the promise God gave them, had continued in their faith, no matter what they faced. And the end of the chapter is pretty tough. He says, yeah, there are those who were sawn in half, those who were beheaded, those who had given their lives 
uh, for you. He said, they, they continued in their faith. And so the first part, the first phrase in chapter 12, verse 1 is, therefore, and we're going to talk about the first aspect of longevity, is built upon a lifestyle of community. Because he says, therefore, based on all that I just told you in that last section of my letter, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, uh, actually, he's t- these first aspects are not the verb. They're not the part that tell us what he wants us to do. He's stating conditions that exist. And the the condition that exists here is that you and I, and he was talking first to these readers, you are surrounded by a great cloud or crowd of witnesses. He he was basically, didn't you hear what I just told you? Now the word for witnesses here is the word we get martyr from in the English language. And as we finished that chapter, you saw that these were, some of them were martyrs. They gave their life. And the, the later... Christians read this letter, that word martyr would jump out at them. And he says, he begins by saying that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, folks, you are not alone. You are not expected to run this race of faith by yourself. Now, I'm going to give you some analogies today because in 19, uh, not 1945, sorry, now, some of you may have been around then. I, I wasn't. Uh, at age 45, I went through a uh, midlife crisis, and I couldn't afford a Corvette, so I, so I started running and got hooked on uh, distance running. And I believe that, and I'll show some other passages here, uh, I believe with all my heart, uh, Paul understood uh, the athletics of his day and the gymnasiums of his day. And we see from this passage that the idea of running a race is the metaphor for this this section of the letter. So I'm just telling you that I've learned some of this in reality because I know how important it is to belong to a group, whether in cycling or in running or you pick it, uh, learning to play the violin, whatever that is. The importance of a group is that they encourage you they hold you accountable. Some of them in the group are further behind you in what you're trying to do, and there are those who are before you in what you're trying to do. And so I've been a gr- uh, member of, of groups like Plano Bicycle Association, the North Texas Trail Runners Association, a, a White Rock group, Lake, uh, White Rock lake group that I've been running with for over 30 years and uh, our own legacy cyclists that we created at our church. Why is that important? Why don't I tell you that? Well, because if I know a group's meeting at seven o'clock on Saturday to ride, I'm probably going to show up there. If I don't know who's going to be there, I'm probably going to go, you know, it's kind of cloudy today. I don't, it's a little colder. I don't think I'm going to do it. This church is your crowd of witnesses your Sunday school class is your small group that you know that if they're going to show up, you're going to most likely show up with them. And it is because you live this lifestyle of community, you're going, your faith is going to be stronger and longer because of that. 
than if you try to do this on your own. It really hurts me when I hear someone say, well, I don't need church. I can do, I'm kind of a spiritual person and I can uh, love God by my, yeah, you can. But that's really a Western idea. Uh, it's not a biblical idea. The biblical idea is that you are surrounded by a community of martyrs and witnesses, even martyrs today. That when you look to them and you know they are gathering and you know they are there, you find strength and encouragement and accountability, okay? So the next aspect of this, he says, so that's, that's one thing that's going on with you right now. And the second thing is longevity is built on a lifestyle of discipline. Now this is where we kind of may not want to do this, but look what the writer says. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, in the ancient uh, Olympics and athletic events, they did that in, in the nude. And so when he talks about here, he is talking about literal weight, and he's also talking about removing those things that if you were running, your cloak would, wouldn't tangle you up. And so imagine this picture of trying to run uh, with a cloak around you or, or in your cu- blue jeans, boots, and, and jacket. He says, Take, sin is like that. So he says, this cloud of witnesses around you, and also, while we're going about this, we need to remove those things that prevent us from running the race. Now, he uses the idea of weight. And he uses the idea of encumbrance. We need to understand that there are things in our spiritual life that prevent us from uh, doing what God would have us do. And running, I was with, training with an ultra runner one time. And uh, by the way, I'm not good at this, so I can just go really long, really slowly, okay? So uh, I've never won a race in my life, so don't, don't think I'm, I'm beyond uh, any, anybody here. But I was asking him, I said, why is weight such a deal? He said, well, just imagine you step up to the starting line of a 50-kilometer ride, uh, run or ride. You have 31 miles to go. It runs four or five hours. And he says, and just when you step up to the starting line, someone hands you a 15-pound bag of rice. And you've got to carry that the whole way with you. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I know what you're talking about now. Now I know why weight's important. Uh, in performance. What's the same in our spiritual life? There are many things that weigh us down or that we carry around. Everything from Netflix to Instagram to, to those things that distract us that weighed us down, not even, not even in mentioning the, the, the sin, the, the, the things that we do to cross the line that prevent us from growing. And the discipline of a spiritual life is that we say no to things, just as when you're in training for an event, you say no to the ice cream, you say no to the calories, you say yes to the hydration, you say yes to the extra mile that you put in. And we have, we have made Christianity too easy. We think we just kind of, our faith kind of happens to us. It does not. And he says here, part of that is removing those things that hinder us. Uh, mentioning to you, uh, Paul, understanding uh, the, the gymnasium in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, uh, 24. 
he, he talks about those who are running. And here's what he says. He says, you know that those who run in a stadia, sounds like what? Stadium. And stadia was a certain distance, about 200 yards, that they ran and they built bleachers around. Therefore, we call it a stadium. Those who run in the stadium, they all are running to receive the prize. And he says, then you run as if you're going to receive the prize. Everyone in the race, he says, has self-control. And the reason they do that is to receive a perishable crown. By the way, back then they had, <laughs> they wrapped celery leaves together. That didn't last very long. Uh, but they, they trained and they worked out. Matter of fact, you had to, in the Olympic Games, you had to sign an oath or take an oath that you had been training at least 10 months before you entered that race or that event. They wanted to know that you were serious about it. And Paul says we did all that because we, they do that for a perishable. We do that for an imperishable. I talk about we, we run races, 5Ks or whatever for T-shirts. He <laughs> says in our spiritual life, then those are perishables. I got a stack of perishable T-shirts that we do these things that we're talking about, our, our discipline, our spiritual disciplines, so that we can have an imperishable reward. Matter of fact, I have, have said before that uh, physical exercise is to the body what spiritual exercises are to the soul. One of the reasons you can't run a 5K is you've not exercised your cardio, or you just can't, and I'm not putting anybody down who doesn't want to do that or can't do that, and there are physical hinder- hindrances for that. But one of the reasons is we just don't, we don't uh, exercise. Well, one of the reasons you have no answers to prayer, you have no vitality in your spiritual life, you don't see God step out of the scriptures into your life is because you never practice the exercises of study and solitude and silence and prayer and service and worship. Understand? So what Paul is saying here and what the writer of the letter of Hebrews is saying is that part of our ability and longevity is that we put in those things in our lives that make room for God to grow. How do you think the fruit of the Spirit grows in your life if there's no soil or fertilization or watering of the things of the Holy Spirit? How do you think the gifts of God's Spirit in you never are exemplified? Because there's no room for them to grow because you have other attitudes and you have other things that are growing in your life. So he talks about if we're going to do these, this, this longevity, our faith is going to grow, we must have discipline. Then the third thing he says, and now we're finally to the part uh, <clears throat> that I think has to do with the, the main uh, verb here. He said, let us run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's what he's he's saying. He says, we are running. There's a crowd of witnesses. We're disciplining ourselves, and we are running. And the word I love here is the word that is found in verse 1, 2, 3, and 7. It goes on. It's the word endurance. Now, what is the word endurance? It's one of my favorite Bible words. It means, literally, to remain under are to be able to re- remain up under the weight. That's what endurance is. 
And it's, it's the way we handle stress. It's the way we handle physical strength. It's the way we handle emotional strength. Endurance is the ability to remain under the weight that is holding us down or, or, or pressuring us. And he says, let us run, and that's a, there's not much explaining there, run with endurance the race. Now, the word for race here is the word you've heard in Paul when he was finishing up in Second Timothy, he was talking about, I have fought a good fight. And then we just talked about running um, uh, in First Corinthians 19. All those are the same word, and they can mean a struggle, a fight, or a race. So if you're, if you're like, I'm never going to run again in my life, okay, think of a struggle or, or something you're wrestling with. That's, this is the concept. He says, let us run with endurance the race or the struggle that has been laid out for us. Now, you know as well as I do that if you uh, run a race, it's marked out for you. There's a certain distance. There's boundaries for that. New York City Marathon was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the ceremonial things that they do is they begin, they paint the blue line because to run that marathon, you run, you follow the blue line through the five boroughs, and it's, it's iconic. Uh, on trail running, you, you, to not to get lost in the woods, you look for ribbons hanging from the, the trees on the particular trail so you know what to do. So you say, but, what, but, but I don't do any of those things. How do I, how do I know my, my, my race? How is it marked out for me? Well, the scriptures make it very clear. By the way, y'all are talking about uh, missions uh, this month. The Great Commission is a great marker the race that is marked out for you as a church, me as an individual. It is my calling that as I go about life, I am to make disciples of all ethnic groups, baptizing them and teaching them. What you do here builds us up, encourages us, holds us accountable to our growth, and then we are to run that race that God has laid out for us. So that wherever you live, work, play, learn, that is your mission field. And that is where you run this race that God has called out for you to follow. So to have a faith that lasts, that longevity, we have a lifestyle of community, a lifestyle of discipline, a lifestyle of endurance. And then we all need to follow someone. We need someone who has done this before us. And verse 2 is simply looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, there's our word, bore up under the weight of the cross, which there was no heavier weight in his day. Despising the shame, there was no more shameful act. Matter of fact, Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. It was so, such a lowly, shameful. And remember, this was an honor-shame culture. So to, to, to shame yourself was to shame your community and to shame your fa- family. And that's why the early church had so much trouble dealing with the cross. Why some of the, <laughs> the early um, uh, images or icons of Christianity were the, the anchor and the peacock and some of these other things. The cross was just such a, a horrible symbol of shame. Uh, but he despised that and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He has finished the race. In any race and in any event, 
if you're in the back where I am, <laughs> you always put your eye on someone who you want to catch or someone who is going about the same speed you are in a 100-mile or 50-mile race. You're allowed to have pacers after a certain length of time. And that person runs alongside of you. They can't carry anything for you or uh, anything other than encourage you. And in, these, in this picture here is we are to keep our eyes on Jesus because he has finished this race. He has started the race, the founder, and he is the completer or the finisher of this race of trust. And the other reason I watch him and keep my eye on him in this race that I am in that involves suffering as well as pain but as, as well as victory The reason I keep my eyes on him is because he has completed the toughest event any human could go through. And again, I don't have to restate the horror of the cross. But he did that because he knew the joy of the finish line. By the way, about mile 22 and 23 in a marathon, you say, I'll never do this again. But within 100 yards after the finish line, you're like, when's the next one? It's just, I don't know why it's that way. It's just that way. And Jesus knew that on the other side of the suffering was was union and fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And because he knew the joy, he put up with the pain. He endured the pain. And the reason I watch him is because whatever comes in my life, I can endure it because I know what he has completed and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He sits in the victor seat. Everybody who seeks to achieve something, piano, an instrument, a way of thinking, whatever, you have what? Don't you have a hero? Almost everybody, and I love about Little League Baseball, Remember Little League Baseball, they, they, they tell who the, the, the kid is and, and then their way, and then favorite player, right? And it's always a major league pro- player. Well, the reason is they want to be like them. And when I run and cycle and others, of course, you pick people you'll never be like, though some, some are gifted and, and can work to be those things. But if you said, who do you want to be like? In your faith. It's Jesus. Who do you want to, to have, who, when it comes to the hard stuff in life, who do you want to be like when the hard stuff? Jesus. And that's not a Sunday school answer. It's because he's endured the cross and despised the shame and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's why he's my hero. That's why he is the one that I look to in the race of life. I keep my eyes on him. Because as soon as, and any of you have done any endurance anything, and again, learned, tried to learn anything, there's a point when your brain says, this is silly, <laughs> i got to stop. And 80% of distance running is, is your brain. Most of life is, is, is faith and trust. Yes, there are physical aspects and emotional aspects that work into this, but we move forward because Jesus is our example. He's our pioneer. He's our coach. He's the one we want to be like. And then finally, longevity is built on a lifestyle of faithfulness. 
Verse 3 then. We've just talked about Jesus. He says, consider him. Now this isn't a, oh, okay, I think that's a good idea. No, this, this word is to reason and, and to meditate on and to spend time thinking about. Think about him who, well, there's our word again, who bore up under from sinners such hostility against him. And why do we spend time focusing our attention on Jesus so that you will not grow weary are faint-hearted. Actually, let me literally translate that phrase. So that you not be discouraged in your soul giving up. One of the worst things in in an athlete or a runner is is the three letters, DNF. (laughs) Did not finish. I only have three of those in my my field because I can usually walk to the finish line or crawl or uh, you know, ride, coast my bike down the hill to, to, to get to the finish. But there's nothing more discouraging than a DNF. And one of the things I, uh, in the metaphors of my life, I do not want to get to heaven and have a DNF after my name. And the scripture says that the reason we have this community and we discipline our lives spiritually and we bear up under the weight and we follow Christ is so that we can finish this race and all the things that are necessary are in his word and in this community and in the presence of his Holy Spirit. You do not have to have a DNF at the end of your name when we get to heaven. And it is a way in which as we pay attention to the things of God and we run the race that is set out before us. We can finish and finish well. Uh, one of the questions of life is, what is success? How do you know you, you finished? How do you, how do you know you did well? Well, there are three words that seem to explain that to me as I look at Scripture, and that is faithfulness. You've, you've stuck with what God's called you to do in your relationship with Him and others. Fruitfulness, there's evidence that he's been a part of your life, fruit of the Spirit and the way you've influenced other people's life. And then the third that's very clear in Scripture is finishing well. My prayer for you today is that no matter what you face, no matter where you are in the race of life, that you will finish well. And the Scriptures, as well as this community of faith, has made it possible for you to do that. So there is hope this day, no matter what you face. Put your trust in Jesus. Look to the author and finisher of your faith. Trust where he has marked out the race for you and follow him with all your heart so that you can finish well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your good word. Thank you for the picture of what you would have us to do and be in our lives. And Father, again, I just pray that during this time, I've trusted that your Holy Spirit has spoken to every person in this room, and now it's up to them (laughs) to say yes to you. And Father, I pray that you give them the gift of faith and that they say yes. I don't know what that is, but you do and they do. So during this time, O Lord, I pray that they reflect and Some time during the day, they'll 
Practice the exercise of silence. Listen to their heart. Listen to your spirit. Listen to your word. And that they will say yes to you. That they may finish well the race that you have set out before them. Thank you for Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith who because of the joy set before him endured the cross setting aside its shame and now because of the resurrection sits at the right hand of the Father. It is in his name that we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.